Hello, hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall, but for ghosts. I mean, almost the New York Mystery Machine. <laughs> was almost a ghost. <laughs> it was almost a ghost. When you talk about the machine was broke down, you guys. <laughs> Gotta have to push the bus. We're having some tech issues of galore. Non-stop tech issues. The last... It was a miracle. I got you guys the last episode um, edited and up. <laughs> um, the the editing software I have had decided to go haywire. Mm-hmm. Then my computer went haywire, mm-hmm. and I thought for a second it crashed. I mm-hmm. came. I was like, I think this is it. Like I think, and like I have a backup of of my whole hard drive because I knew this day would come soon. Right. Um, but I was worried because I was like, I, I can't afford another computer. And if I don't have a computer, that that's it. We can't record the right. podcast for a while. Because Christina's computer, for the record, is real ancient. That that girl is from uh, early days of 2011. And your other one was, was burglarized. It was burglarized. I was a victim of burglary. Of burglary. So um, that... Plus. Which, for the record, that means that the, the the thief looked at my apartment, looked at the computer, and said, "Yeah, don't want that one," <laughs> and went for the other computer, which was a work computer and not the greatest. And it's fine; it was good, but like, but it makes me happy makes to me... know that he didn't. The, the thief didn't want it for parts. No, like I'm not even gonna bother. With no, that. this is worthless to me. He said. Um, in addition, like I had tech issues, so my episode wasn't able to like get all together. So we're, you're getting you're getting a, a two weeks of Christina Woo! this week in a row. Lucky you. Um, and then you probably get two weeks of Adam uh, in, in the next few weeks. You may you may get a double week of, of an Adam led story. But we've been having a tough go on the machine. You guys <laughs> really really have just a <laughs> when I when I when we te- when we talk about. Um, Patreon, and when we talk about, oh, we need this, we need that. Like, this is what we mean. Like, we're, we're, you know, oddly enough, this show is doing quite well, and so we don't want to take a break from it. And be like, all right, let's take a month off and get some new equipment. Right. So we're just not breaking, doing the shows, but hanging on by like, <laughs> <laughs> some literal threads. Hanging on by threads here. My voice is also not here yeah. either. I just noticed that now that my voice isn't really here. And I'm angry at the world today, so like zero reasons. I don't I don't know. I don't know. This is gonna be an interesting one, folks. It's gonna be an interesting, interesting episode full of full of some sass. Yeah. Uh, it's an emer- it's a murder. It's a murder. Oh, it's even better. Big old murder. We're, we're hot when we're when we're, <laughs> when we're murderous. <laughs> Um, this has second episode energy already. Like this has second episode <laughs> energy, um, but not the one we scrapped, right? Right. <laughs> what you guys don't know is we recorded two episodes when we first started recording the show. Our first episode about the um, the, the 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 well and the the ghost of the well, the Manhattan well, um, murder well, murder well, Ma- yeah, murder at Manhattan well is the name of that episode and then we recorded um the second episode was supposed to be the um merchant house museum episode <laughs> but we recorded the episode and it was just if i could be so frank with Please. you the listener because you know i believe 40 episodes in i think this is episode well, yeah, 40 this is this good god we um we can be honest we've earned each other the right yeah, to be honest yeah, yeah. It, it was, was a piece of shit it was shit it was real it was shit guys garbage and so Oddly enough, and this is where how, uh, how how odd it is, right? That the episode is terrible. <laughs> so much that Christina was like, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do this like episode ever, ju- justice ever again. Yeah, we just shelved it. We were like, and we yeah, shelved this is- it. And then we, we, um, 
a few months later, Christina's like, I think I want to give it another go. Well, what happened was we needed to record and Christina said, shit, I don't got time to, we're, we're reworking this one. Yeah, like I have all the bones <laughs> of this episode if I rework it. And I shit you not, it's our second most listened to episode, <laughs> the Merchant House Museum. And I don't know if it would be our second most listened to episode had we not, not re-recorded it. Because our, our it, second- It definitely wouldn't have been for the because record. Because episode two, Linda Cortile, isn't our second most listened to episode. It's the Merchant House right. Museum. Linda right. Cortile is later on the list. We would have been dead on arrival if we had aired the original yeah. of the Merchant House. But you're getting the vibes there of- um, of, of what we were feeling the day when that when that when that mess just didn't. Anyway, um, welcome to the show. Five minutes in. Uh, <laughs> again, we didn't know we were going to be. It was going to be a tour. Like about five minutes ago, I was like, Christina, I don't think we can record today. The, the you know I, I use Logic you know Pro as my software. It's just not working. And I tried it three different ways, and each way I tried it presented a new. Error. Mm. It's like one was like, there's no input selected. I'm like, there is an input. I'm looking at it. <laughs> one was like, you can't save this file. And the other one was, um, you can't record two tracks at once. <laughs> so I was like, well, how do we do this? <laughs> and here's the thing, you guys, because we're just, you know, a, a little podcast. We, we're, we're our own producers and editors. Like, I edit these shows. We produce these shows ourselves. And so we have Adam's no one. Adam's being so sweet using the royal we right there. <laughs> he, Adam, Adam does this. And so there is. Um, so in any case, um, we're. We're so happy that we actually have an episode for you this week that we were able to put together and record. Um, hopefully, and I, safe. I'm saying this. Yeah, I'm saying this now, <laughs> knowing that in a day when I'm supposed to, when I'm editing this episode in a day or two, um, hopefully it'll work yeah. out. Or they get the raw, unfiltered, uncut. Which it can, yeah. Which literally could happen. Yeah. At its, at All its, of my at mistakes its, and... at its base, I can just rec- I can just not edit right. it and hope for the best and, and, right. and put it out. But um, in any case, welcome to the show, everyone. Hi, everyone. <laughs> welcome back. We had a really good, uh, a good, a good uh, couple of weeks here. We're getting we we, we picked up an, uh, a few new listeners along the way. Um, so thanks for everyone who's just joining the journey. I, I hope this is your first full, full episode. Go back. We're, we're a lot more entertaining. Um, or maybe not more entertaining. Maybe maybe if you're someone who likes tragedy, clearly, I mean, not only are the shows tragic, but the hosts are. are also tragic. Um, I'm also glad that I'm not recording an episode today because my voice is like, Yeah, shocked. what's happening, Adam? I don't know. I went to two Met games yesterday. Well, that might do it, Adam. That may do it. I like it took you this long to realize and I that. I sang all weekend long. Yeah, that does it. And so... I did. So here we are. So here we are. Christina, you say here we are. But where are we? Which is an operative word. But where are we? Where is it the the here that we are at? We will be on Long Island. Is it on or in Long Island? I had this conversation the other day. Because if you're using on Long Island, Island, then do we say in Staten Island or on Staten Island? Do we say in Manhattan or on Manhattan? In Manhattan. Where does the madness end? On Staten Island. I think you're on islands. But Manhattan is an island. Yeah, it is an island. But we don't call Manhattan Island. Do we just use the general? I think if you said it's on Manhattan Island, I would that there's an on, but it, it's in Manhattan. So island is what makes it the on. That is the logic I'm using that right word. now to justify what I believe to be the correct preposition. I don't think I've words. ever said they live on Staten Island. Maybe I have. Mm-hmm. You, they live in Staten Island. In, mm, that feels weird. In the borough of Staten Island. Adam, I have a question for you to kick us off. Has anyone ever left something behind in an apartment that you moved into? Yes. Would you care to share? Uh, What's the weirdest one, say? Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, my friend Anthony lives here before me, so. <laughs> um, no, I, no. Um, 
I've had roommates who who left behind weird things. Okay. Like um I have one roommate who doesn't listen to the show. Um <laughs> my first roommate here, she left behind like um a weird communist Lenin banner. Oh. That I still keep because yeah. as a memory of her. <laughs> and then another roommate who lived here left behind um uh, like a Michelangelo's David statue mm. in form of a um of an apron. Oh, so that when you wear it, nice. it just looks like the the David. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think she bought it for me. <laughs> I never asked her to. Right. But so it was that's, here. that's some weird stuff that was left behind mm. at, at here at this uh, Williamsburg locale. Have you ever left something behind in an apartment? I have lived like not, like like I guess you wouldn't remember if you like accidentally did it, but like 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 you intentionally left. Yeah. Like, have you ever like? No. Okay. I take it. Yeah. I mean, I've left. Um, when I when I work places, like if I'm in artist housing, mm-hmm. I'll if I have something, sure. I'll leave something behind. Okay. Like I I just you know I worked in Florida in the fall, and someone gave me uh, I got a bunch of like opening night like alcohol gifts. I right. I live in New York. I can't break right. bottles, <laughs> so I le- I left like a bottle of Grand Marnier. For, I'm like this is mm. whoever is here next mm-hmm. enjoy this bottle because I I can't right. fit it in my in my suitcase, suitcase or, yeah. anymore. Okay, but that's it. That's the sum well, of it. Today's episode starts with a homeowner trying to move into his new home. It's 1999, and Hamid Tafagodi purchased a split-level house on a lovely tree-lined street in Jericho, New York, which is in Nassau County, on Long Island. So far, so good. Tafagodi was going through all those pre-purchase motions of, like, you know, becoming a, a homeowner, you know, so inspection being one of those big ones, right? So for folks who may not have had the opportunity to buy a house or do research on what inspections do for you. Um, And inspections, when a specialist comes and inspects the house and makes sure that everything is the way it's supposed to be, right? Like you don't have a thousand uh, termites that are eating at the foundation or whatever. And it's really your last chance to address the problems and negotiate the price. Um, So half a Godi's inspector found something unusual in the crawl space. An old 55-gallon drum, like a, like a, like a, barrel drum like a little metal yeah like a metal barrel yeah, they yeah. call it a drum but yeah, yeah uh, no, I know don't picture like a ricochet rim shot drum. no no you're looking like um almost like what you've been oil, like an oil like an oil, yes yeah. exactly that um it weighed about 345 pounds and it had all sorts of like chemical warning labels which is why the seller a ronald cohen had never been curious about its contents or at least never tried to open it uh, half a goatee. It was, was just like, always there. It was just always there since he moved into the house. Was there, and he left it for the next person. Yeah, like a rite of passage. Yes, like, we just leave this here. It, it's just you know comes with the house. It's, it's <laughs> Look at you. It's like in the ad. It's like also <laughs> basement with canister. It's like it's like the episode <laughs> attic with ghosts. It's like basement, basement with, with canister. canister. What's in it? <laughs> it's Slimer. <laughs> So, well, half a goatee was not thrilled about this. And so he insists that um, Cohen do something with it, take it out, take care of it. He doesn't want to move into the house. He's not going to move into the house and go through with the buying if he keeps it there. So Ronald Cohen does this. He gets movers to bring the drum to the curb. um, But the garbage collectors say they cannot move it without knowing for sure what's inside. You know, if it's something toxic, it has to be handled very differently than if it's just like a bunch of old newspapers. Right. Oh, I know this is going to make me ill, but continue. I just know it in my core. Yeah, yeah, you do. 
On September 2nd, 1999, Cohen opens the drum's lid and looks inside. It's a dead body. And there amidst a, a barrel full of plastic polystyrene pellets and a greenish, brownish I liquid I like is a shoe and a mummified hand. Oh my God, why? <laughs> a mummified hand? Mm-hmm. Just sort of like poking through the top of the liquid and the pellets. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know the sound I'm making. <laughs> what a weird thing. Yep. Can, can you imagine? No. And then realizing you've been living with this for, I think it's, he was there for like something like seven years or something, like living in that house for seven years with this. Um, he calls the police. They arrive and they find that the barrel is indeed filled with a body. Um, that of a woman. She was placed cross-legged in a sort of like fetal position inside. And they proceed to do all the CSI-ish things. Um, the autop- they do an autopsy um, and they determine that the body was that uh, was mummified rather because of uh, it was desiccated from all the material that surrounded it. So, like those those pellets that I mentioned, those plastic pellets are the kind of things that you throw on stuff to like soak up liquid. Sure, sure. Um, uh, the cause of death was multiple skull fractures consistent with blunt force trauma. There were at least 10 lacerations. Uh, areas of the skull were broken in small pieces. And there was blood evidence, um, like blood stains on these pieces that suggest that the fractures definitely occurred while the woman was alive. And when did, when did he move into the, 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 the apartment again, you said? Mm, I want to say it was like seven years earlier or something like that. So like in yeah, 90... Something like that, maybe? The, the Clinton years. Yeah, the Clinton years. One would say. Um, uh, so the woman, they estimate to have been, about, I mean, the body was shriveled. So the, they estimate she was about five feet tall sure. in her late 20s-ish. She had gold fillings or rimming around her front teeth, which was very uncommon in the U.S. at the time, but was more consistent with Central and South American dental practices. She dressed in a, was dressed in a sweater with skirt, long socks, and a leopard print coat. And she was wearing a scapular around her neck. So for those who don't know, a scapular is a Catholic cloth sort of like necklace that is a devotional practice. Um, and then here's the kicker. The coroner was very surprised to learn that she was pregnant. Nine months, almost fully near-term baby boy. Oh, my gosh. So who is this? Um, before you can start figuring out a whodunit, you got to figure out who the victim is. And we don't have any of that information right here. So the drum itself had markings that helped uh, source its its origin. So one number in the drum was very exacting, and they could pinpoint it right to the, per- the company that made it. So it was manufactured in 1965 by Ream Container in Linden, New Jersey, from which it would have been shipped to General Aniline and Film Company, uh, which was a dye plant also in Linden, New Jersey. So this gives us a terminus postquem, which is a little archaeology for all of you. I've noted that is. <laughs> Please explain. It's a little archaeological term for uh, the date after which, right? So because the container is made in New Jersey in 1965, um, the murder could not have happened before 1965, or at least it's very unlikely because then you'd have to keep the body somewhere until you switch it to this container that wasn't made until 1965, right? So it has to have happened 1965 or later. Yeah, I mean, for me right now, and I'm sure you'll get here at one point, but my brain is like, you lived in this house with this thing. (laughs) Well, the first thing I'm going to do is find the person who sold me the house because that Mm -hmm. 
person should have more answers than I'll have, but you, you, you so continue your, I can, your I journey. Can, we're going to go on this journey. Um, what I can say from the get-go is that previous occupants were all like, yeah, I was always there. I didn't open you it. You son of a bitches. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> How? I just don't, I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know. It's harking back to um, our Patreon bonus episode. We, we haven't plug your patreon today but www.patreon.com and my mystery machine uh, the patreon bonus episode where what you get for five dollars a month five five dollars or more a month you get this bonus episode there's already three up there it's gonna be four by the end of the month anyway um <laughs> where there was a basement where there was stuff in it and no one paid attention to the yeah. stuff that was in it they're like i guess we'll just move here with this stuff in it yep who c- no worries here it's just stuff hey there's a crawl space with a weird barrel and toxic like symbols on it i'm, like, I'm just gonna leave that there it's, it's too just, heavy to I, move I, I give just, up I cannot. Yeah. People, people, all of you who listen to the show, the hundreds who listen to the show, you are listening now. Don't move into a place with Mm-mm. a barrel with stuff in it. Yeah. Definitely have the barrel removed. And you listen to the show, and this is, we know this isn't a ghost episode, but you know, you know mm. it might as well be a ghost episode. Yeah. It might as well be a ghost episode. My mic is spiking. I'm so far into the microphone right now. Ghost protocol here. <laughs> ghost protocol. So, so we have our our date after which, right? Our ter- terminist uh, post quem. Um, Stop saying that like you're it's fancy. A, a great ter- word. A, a terminist post quem. We'll get ready. We're gonna get. I work in museums. I'm fancy. <laughs> um, I studied archaeology. The specific. Well, I studied theater, Christine. <laughs> <laughs> which is why your episode didn't need to be re-recorded seven months later. <laughs> so. Um, so we've got this this container, right? And it was for the transport of dyes and paints. Now, inside were was found this greenish dye. Um, specifically, they were able to trace it as a halogen green dye, discontinued by General Aniline Callaway Pigments Division in 1971, giving us our terminus antiquum because the green sludge in the green dye was ceased to be made in 1971 it has to be now between 1965 and 1971 that yeah. this body was it, it gives us this i think it's fascinating i love that kind of like puzzle no, piece that's stuff. super fat i mean no that's like and that's like some good detective work, mm-hmm. right? it's like it has to be this mm-hmm. and it narrows it down so so easily it's like it has to be this right as opposed to it being like well, i don't know it could have been like it, it, it takes it also takes the onus away from it being you know it could be this guy could be the guy who did it right you know, because it's physically impossible. Right. I, this stuff isn't made. How right. So now Ron Cohen is like off the hook. Wasn't <laughs> you me. know, was not me. Told you this was just here and I left it there. Um, so one of the customers of this barrel making plant and of this dye company was Melrose Plastics. Melrose Plastics was located once upon a time at 509 West 34th Street. They made synthetic flowers and plastic trees, hence the need for the barrels of dye. Um, and uh, when West Day Fourth in Manhattan, so like garment district. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it uh, went out of business in 1972, so it all starts to come together. Dye barrel, Melrose Plastics. They even found in the um, in the barrel uh, a plastic flower stem with leaves of a type that Melrose plastics would have made and so these are like plastic flowers like synthetic flowers you get in michael's or like you use in window displays and that kind of thing other things were found in the drum as well so there was a sort there were a couple of rings one was sort of like a wedding ring-esque one um and one had a green stone on it um one of these 
was inscribed, I don't know which one, it's unclear to me, was inscribed with the uh, initials MHR. And there was also a locket that was inscribed to Patrice, love Uncle Phil. Um, There was also a leather purse in which they found lipstick and eyeliner, but all other contents and the pocketbook itself were extremely destroyed because they'd been submerged in this combination liquid of, you know, green dye and the woman's bodily fluids as for years. Now, now... You had earlier said that a mummified hand. So mm-hmm. did the chemicals basically mummify the body? Yeah, the chemicals and combined with like... And what the, were the chemicals exactly? It's the dye. Just the dye. It's like, the, 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 the dye that they use or like part of the chemicals for mixing the paints for sure, this particular sure. dye. And then these these plastic pellets, which apparently I, are, are highly absorbent as so, well. Yeah, so come together, it creates some sort of a coating. Yeah. Ice, yeah, okay, yeah it's like a Breaking Bad scenario in this case, but like actual mummification instead of liquefaction. Here's a little bit. I've never seen an episode of Breaking Bad. It's really good. I didn't want to like it, but boy, is it good. Oh, wow. I've never seen this yep. episode. Every gotta do it. People are like, what? You didn't see Breaking Bad? I just never got into you it. You gotta do it. All right, good to know. Um... I'm glad we. I'm glad we. I'm, I'm glad we hid that from the listeners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, listeners, you can't see, but we're like covering our faces, so you can't see. You can't lip so you, read. So you can't see what we're saying. Um. So this this leather purse is completely, you know, broken down by yeah. by time and and liquid. They also find a damp address book. Now it's a it's a very. You hate a damp address book. <laughs> uh, those those hot summer days in New York. Oh, Been there, girl. So damp the address book. damp address book, new band name. I called it. Um, <laughs> it's good. Damp address book. Um, so it's from the '60s. Damp address book, not promising start, guys. But the investigators and forensics team is really tenacious. So they placed this address book, which is like pure pulp at this point, um, in a forensic drying cabinet for some days and remove the moisture. And then they use a video spectral comparator, or VSC, which apparently um, uses infrared light to try and read portions of manuscripts that are, you know, had weird stuff happen to it. So, for example, it can show where alterations on checks were made, and it can um, make different types of inks glow and show, you know, when official documents have been altered or had pages added. Um, and indented impressions can become visible. So it's like a cure-all. You can see like what's underneath whiteout. Oh, wow. Um, so it's pretty impressive. And they examined this address book with the VSC, and they found that the substance had been submerged in, had stripped the pages of all its ink, but there were still settings where you can start to make out some of the, the addresses and words inside. Like imprints of it. Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, so they were able to find the woman's... Um, U.S. identification number. She was an immigrant, so she had an identification number. As well as a piece of paper with a note that read, Don't be mad. I told the truth. Oh, my God. And then they started finding some names and numbers. But people move. This is an address book from the 1960s, right? And so this is the problem they run into. They start calling the numbers they find, and, like, people have been gone for 30-some-odd years now. When, eventually, they come to the name of Kathy Andrade... Kathy Andrade, for the record, this is a very small side, but I was fascinated. Kathy Andrade, it's the same Kathy Andrade, and I think it is. Um, she died July 2nd, 2021, but she was pretty darn cool. She was born in El Salvador, and um, beginning in the early 1950s, she worked in a uh, Long Island City airplane part factory, was one of the few women there, and she eventually becomes really important in the gar- in the 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 garment industry union um and so she ends up being a champion for um 
immigrants' rights within unions and, uh, you know, helps make sure that there are ESL classes and citizenship classes and, like, is just an incredible individual. But suffice to say, the police call Andrade and explain the situation, that they found her name in this address book in a barrel with the body of a murder victim, and Andrade immediately conduct, connects the dots. It has to be her friend Reina Marokin, a woman she met in English class, and who lived at the Jeanne d'Arc Residence for Women, a, a Catholic home on 24th Street in Manhattan that had been run by nuns, um, and that's where Andrade had volunteered for a time. And she had met Reina, and the two of them became fast friends. And maybe before we go into the story of who Reina is and how she ends up where she ends up, we should take a break. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, We'll be right back after uh, these uh, messages from us. The New York Mystery Machine is brought to you in part by listeners like you. That's right. Head on over to our Patreon, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep the pod growing. By joining, you can access a whole bunch of cool stuff, such as mini-episodes, swag, exclusive playlists, and more. Head to www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine to find out more and become a patron. That's www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine and join our ever-growing community today. If you ever look at our logo, you may notice a cute, furry, black-and-white creature hanging out the window. That's Ted. When he's not hanging out inside the New York Mystery Machine, Ted is enjoying treats from BarkBox. BarkBox is the dog-obsessed company that's devoted to one goal, making dogs happy. It's a monthly subscription, totally customized box of themed toys and treats for your furry friends. BarkBox provides the best products, services, and content for pups and their people. Every box brings your dog more than $40 worth of toys and treats. Your first box ships immediately. Plus, BarkBox offers a 100% happy guarantee. If your pup isn't happy with their BarkBox, they'll work to make it right. So are you ready to spoil your pup with a BarkBox of their very own? If so, head over to www.barkbox.com slash nymysterymachine. If you use our exclusive link, you'll get a free extra month of BarkBox valued at $35 when you sign up for multi-length plans. Okay, okay, Tedward. I'll say it again for them. Head to www.barkbox.com slash nymysterymachine and get your pup some treats today. Oh right, we are we are back. Um, We're back, and we just we got a name. We got a name. We got a name for the body in the barrel. I was gonna say lady in the barrel. Body in the barrel is better. (laughs) I mean, not better. (laughs) Certainly not better. It's not better. For record, here at the New York Mystery, we don't support (laughs) bodies in barrels. Um, Also, we don't support people who have mysterious barrels in their basements and And are just chill with it to not do anything with it. So, Reina Angelica Marokin is her name. She was born December 2nd, 1941 in El Salvador. Um, She had been married in El Salvador, but the marriage didn't last. Her husband was unfaithful to her, and in fact, she found out that his mistress was pregnant with his child, and she said, nope. And she eventually immigrates to the United States in 1966. 
And she takes some classes at the high school for fashion studies. Um, apparently, she had arrived in the United States with the dream of breaking into the fashion industry. According to Kathy Andrade, she was passionate about clothes. Andrade would also describe Reina as attractive, stylish, and extremely sweet-tempered, one of the nicest humans she ever met. At the time of her disappearance in 1969, Reina was living in Hoboken, New Jersey, and was commuting into Manhattan to work for, you guessed it, Melrose Plastics. Mm. She was one of 80 employees, 60 of whom were women. And she painted the leaves and flowers uh, for the synthetic flowers. Uh, this was apparently a typical division of labor. The women painted and made the plants, and men dealt with the chemicals and dyes and paints. Apparently, Raina showed up occasionally to work with a young child, and the employees would joke that it must be Raina's child from a tryst with one of the bosses. Um, for the record, um, friends of Raina said that it was actually just she was babysitting and you know, babysit for a friend on occasion. And we don't have any more information about this kid. So that seems the likeliest. But you will see that show up in all the reporting about this. Um, there are a couple of co-owners of this business. But the one that they would allude to as, you know, perhaps being the father of this child is a Mr. Howard Elkins. Um, now, Howard Elkins was already married with three kids. Two things are worth noting at this juncture. Although the name of Reina was not yet released to the public, local coverage of the investigation did prompt an anonymous phone call to Nassau County Police. Uh, so the anonymous tipster confirmed that Melrose Plastics was co-owned by Howard Elkins, explained that the dyes were used in making the paints for the bases of the plastic trees, that the pellets that were found in the barrel were used to make the leaves, and said that Elkins had had an affair with a Hispanic woman. I, I'm not writing. I have to start writing things down. I have to be you today. <laughs> so the material, the material. I got speaking to the microphone as well, Mace. <laughs> the materials mm -hmm. are all from this place, yes. in which the person in the barrel mm -hmm. confirmed worked. worked. All right. So those are those are all connected. Mm -hmm. um, and we think that the boss of that. Yeah, there seem to be rumors that. Um, that yeah. at the time that you know in the 1960s that like he would he was having an affair and that he was having an affair with an Hispanic woman. And um, here's the kicker: um, he Howard Elkins was also the original owner of the house <laughs> from 1957 to 1972 until wow. he moved to Boca Raton, Florida. Um, so Andrade eventually confirms that Reina, you know, she's almost certain it was Howard Elkins with whom she had an affair. Raina loved Elkins and she desperately wanted him to leave his wife and marry her. Um, and apparently he indicated that he would do this. Uh, in reality, he was, you know, certainly just stringing her along, telling her what she wanted to hear. Now, Raina told Andrade only that she was having an affair with a married man, never who it was or anything else about him. Eventually, she tells Andrade that she was pregnant with this man's child and that he was paying for her to live in her Hoboken apartment and to go to a fancy doctor. Andrade would ask, is he actually going to marry you, Reina? And Reina said eventually, although over time, Reina started to question whether that was true. One day in early 1969, Reina calls Kathy Andrade in a bit of a panic. She said that she had made a big mistake. Apparently, in a fit of frustration or anger or a desperate move to make Elkins leave his wife at long last, or she has a guilty conscience, who knows, Reina said that she had confronted her boyfriend's wife. She had called, the wife picked up, Raina came clean, 
said she was having an affair with a woman's husband and that she was pregnant with his child. Now, apparently, shortly after that, Reina's boyfriend, um, whom eventually she lets on to Andrade as one of her bosses, calls Reina back and threatened her. He said, according to Andrade, quote, I'm going to kill you. I will never forgive you. Now, when this happened, Reina, um, you know, called Andrade crying and saying that she was, you know, super frightened, super scared. He was going to kill her. And either that day or the next or shortly after, it's very unclear, depending who you consult, one of these things happens. But shortly after this conversation, Andrade goes over to Hoboken to the apartment to check in on Reina. She finds the apartment completely empty and sort of eerily lived in, right? So there's still food on the stove, but no one's home. Um, she sat down and waited for about three or four hours. No one comes home. No one calls the house. No one else comes to the house. And so she gets, you know, she's starting to get really worried. And so Andrade goes to the police and she describes the situation and says, I want to file a missing persons report. The police were less than helpful. Uh, they said that since Reina was pregnant, maybe she ran off with the father. And besides, Andrade doesn't have a name for the father to follow up. Or maybe, you know, Reina went shopping was another suggestion they made, which is... You know. Uh, you know. Wrong. And regardless, they ask Andrade, well, are you a relative? And Andrade says, no, she's she's a friend. And because she wasn't a relative, they wouldn't file a report with her. So for 30 years, that was the end of it. Um, Reina, as far as Andrade knew, just simply vanished. So they have this conversation. The investigators have this conversation with Andrade. And they are, for very obvious reasons, beginning to zone in on Howard Elkins. Now, Howard Elkins and his wife, Ruth, were still living in Boca Raton, Florida. So the police go down there. They knock on the door and ask to come in and have a little chat. Yeah, now we're back in 99. We're back in 99. Because they did all the math. They did all the math. And were like, yeah, this got to be this Howard Elkins guy. He owned the house. Now, who's doing this investigation? Nassau County Police Detectives. My were police detective. That's some, that's some detecting some detecting right there i'm very impressed with all that work <laughs> no i mean it's easy yeah. to ju- to me but to go from getting the chemical analysis yeah. getting the addresses getting the number calling the number getting her whole story and, and then all, down to that's pretty impressive it's pretty good it's pretty good yeah and i feel like often um you know aside from the police in hoboken in the 1960s they're like yeah i can't help you um you know we're often finding in our in our journeys with the new york mystery machine more often than not, when I talk about a coroner, I'm like, did you hear what this guy did? He, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He's, he's actually the local, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty, pretty good detective work here. So they go into Elkin's new home and, you know, or whatever home in Florida. And they say that, you know, we found a barrel under the crawl space of your old house. Did you have any knowledge of it? No, he never went into the crawl space, he says. Okay. How about the barrel? Do you recognize the barrel? Do you ever use this kind of barrel in your line of work? No, nothing like that. Of course not. Okay. How about halogen green? Do you ever use uh, chemicals or dyes to make the paints when you worked, when you owned uh, Melrose Plastics? And he was like, no, we have no need. We didn't have any need for that. Okay. What about the plastic pellets? What were they used for? And he was like, I don't know. All right. Did you ever have an affair at work? They asked. There it is. Drop it like it's hot. And shockingly, Elkins admits this. He says, yeah, I did. Which I find fascinating. But Okay. They say, with whom? And he's like, I can't remember. You name it. <laughs> you name the girl I was doing her. <laughs> They're like, okay, you 
you can't remember her name. Fine. What, what about what she looked like or how tall she was or anything like that? And he's like, yeah, I have no idea. Which, I, like, one, either how many people is he having an affair with? So, anyway, they were like, all right, fine. Can we swab your cheeks for DNA? Yeah. Word. And he says, no, definitely oh, not doing that. There it is. There it is. And during the interview, the telephone rings. Elkins picks it up. Turns out it's his wife, Ruth. And he asks the police to leave. He says he has a lot to talk to his wife about privately. No kidding. The police agree and they say they're going to be back tomorrow. And one of the detectives apparently says to him directly, we'll be back with a warrant for your DNA. We're going to prove you're the father of the baby and that you kill that woman and you will spend the rest of your life in jail. That was aggressive. It was. It was. And he got his point across and... Elkins apparently went out, bought a gun, went to his friend's house, broke into his friend's garage where he knew the friend would be out and killed himself. Holy shit. I did not expect this 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 occurrence. Yep. Hold on. So they go, they meet him. They're like, we want your DNA. And they're like, we're going to get a no one way or another. Warrant. And then he was like, that's it. I'm killing myself. Yeah. Well, there. I mean, talk about smoking gun. Yeah. Um, so after this, the police were able to take his DNA. Um, and they compared it to that of the unborn child. And it was difficult because the baby's DNA was very badly degraded. But they used a polymerase chain reaction or PCR. Yes, that PCR. PCR of COVID fame. Ooh. Learned a little something today. Um, basically, PCRs amplify the DNA. And so they used this process to amplify the child's DNA. And they were able to confirm that in all probability a 99.93% probability that Elkins was the father. So they, what they figure happened is something like this. Sometime after Raina confronted the wife, Elkins lures Raina down to the factory and kills her there. He put her body in the barrel and filled it with pellets, probably to make sure that it was able to be weighted down and that he was probably going to, you know, take the barrel out into the ocean on his boat and, and try to sink it in, into the ocean. Um, but he seems to have badly miscalculated just how heavy the barrel would be when filled. Um, it was much too heavy for his boat to handle. So instead, he pushed it to the crawl space and left it there. Now, here's a question I have, which is, how did he get it to his house? <laughs> yeah. And, and then to the crawl space. And like, how did, where was, where was Mrs. Elkins? That he and again, was, and, and the motivation for this is, is don't want you anyone knowing that I'm having an affair with you. I guess. And then be super okay 30 years later to admit the, the affair. I mean, it almost makes you wonder, was it like, did he try to like reason with her and they had an argument and he got really mad and killed her? I don't know. Did they, and they, were, they weren't able to figure out how she died. Well, that was the, it was the blunt force trauma to the head. Guy, 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 guy. Um, which, I mean, I know very little about um, like forensic psychology. It, I tend to think of like that kind of thing as being less planned, less yeah, premeditated yeah. and more in the moment. But what do I know? Um. But yeah, would love to know how how he still managed to get the barrel from the factory to his house if he couldn't get it to the water. Like it just does not compute. But fine. Um, and so that's more or less the story um, because there's no one to prosecute. They're pretty positive it has to be Elkins for all those very obvious reasons. But um, I will I will give a bit of an epilogue, which is that a reporter from Newsday was able to track down Reyna's mother. Reyna's mother was still living in the village of San Martin in San Salvador and was at the time 95 years old. Mm. And the reporter went to San Salvador and explained the situation and said, we found a body. Is this your daughter? And showed a picture of Reyna. 
And the mother broke down, crying at the news, almost fainted, mm. and said that she had been having dreams for years of, of Raina. And she'd even dreamt of her in a barrel. Oh, my gosh. And so Raina's body was returned to El Salvador and buried. Her mother said, quote, now I know she is with me. She came flying like a dove back to her home, unquote. And a month later, the mother died as well and was buried next to Raina. Oh, my God. It is rare when we get when we get emotional with you, yeah. Mr. Rishi. But that is just such a sweet little, yeah. such a tragic story yeah. with like such a sweet little ending for that mom yeah. who, waited, who waited her entire life to figure out where her daughter yeah. was. Yeah. Oh, my God. I imagine was never contacted by, like, just stopped hearing from her daughter one day and was wondering what, what on earth. Yeah, because I mean, it doesn't seem like they knew anyone that would know right. to contact her mom. And her and her date book is in is in the barrel, so right. no one can exactly. you can't get anything. I can't believe that he wanted to dump it into the river. Is he going to dump it into the river, like or the ocean? Because he was out on the island, but yeah, just like barrel and all, barrel and all. Um, and I, they think that's why he put the pellets in it so that it would be it would heavy enough. Way down, but it was a little too heavy. He did, he did a little too much, I guess. Or what a crazy story. Yeah. I mean, and the, the fact that the guy commits suicide, mm-hmm. I mean, insane. I've seen some reports to your point earlier about, you know, when you have a weird barrel in your house, you should probably get rid of it so that you don't have ghosts. I've, I, I, there's not been much follow up on this, so I don't have details, but I did see a couple of references to some pre- of the previous owners because um, it changed hands several times since Elkins moved in 72. Um, some of the previous owners did feel like maybe there was something um, ghostly in the house. But. Yeah. You know, you know what it probably was? Mm. The fucking barrel! <laughs> I just... No one over the course of 30 years Mm-mm. said to themselves, what an odd-looking barrel that looks like it's filled with something that, I don't know, maybe poisonous. Right. But that that would be my thing. Like, wouldn't you want it out of your house just in case it it's is... toxic? It's toxic or radioactive. I don't know. Did no one have any kids in their house to think... No, to there have... were. There were actively kids in yeah, some of these families. exactly. Like, what are you doing, parents? <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, which we know you are, what were you thinking <laughs> of not reporting this weird barrel? And yeah. shame on you all for selling it without reporting of this barrel. I just find it fascinating because, like, I remember once um, my my grandparents had a had a place in Florida for a while, and um, they would rent it out sometimes. And there was one time a a like a suitcase left over that someone had left behind, and we couldn't get into it, and it drove us nuts every. day day we were trying to crack this thing open Um, there was nothing inside unfortunately Um, well thank god yes I mean yes at this point in the game at this point in the game that sounds great if it's not like millions of dollars of gold I don't want it I don't want it Um, but yeah like that was just a suitcase and I was like I need to know oh my god I just can't I just can't like imagine I just I can't imagine like just having this barrel in your basement and and being like, well, that's just the barrel. That's mm-hmm. fine. And then this poor woman's body, yeah, just there over all these thirty years. Thirty years. Thirty years. Crazy. I mean, the guy who was like, "You have to like get rid of this before you sell this house to me," like, is like the hero. Of the <laughs> yeah. <story. laughs> 
Hold on, half a goatee. Because literally, if he wasn't like putting his foot down, yeah, we would, we would it, still know. It would still just be in his house. Yeah. Good on him. Yeah, to be like, I don't him. know. I don't want to move into a house with <laughs> a creepy barrel. I honestly feel like they should have um, been able to get a real reduction in price. <laughs> yeah. Like also, there was a dead body in there for the last 30 years. I don't know. Maybe we can reduce the price just a wee bit. I actually don't even know if he ended up taking the house is the honest truth. I don't know if he ended up going through with it after that or not. They don't follow up on that in any of the reporting. <laughs> I literally. Can't. I would not. For the record, I would not. No. Once they were like, oh, well. You get rid of that barrel? Oh, totally got rid of the barrel, dude. Oh, got rid of the barrel. Great, 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 great. What great. was in it? Oh, don't worry about it. Uh, what was in it? No, 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 don't worry about it. Anyway, here's the, <laughs> here's the offer papers. You just uh, sign here. You sign here. No, no, but I'm really... What was in it? I just want to know what was in it. Was it something weird? Was it something cool? <laughs> it wasn't like that body anyway. <laughs> here's the pen. That's him leaving. <laughs> he ran upstairs, shut the door. Ran away. Oh my, well, that was a- That's a story. That was a weird one. Yep. That was a weird one. Well, the lesson that you learn here, kids, here on the New York Mystery Machine, Tammy Hall, but for ghosts, <laughs> is that um, if there's anything weird in your basement, yeah, chances are, chances are, it's either haunted, yep, um, uh, outerworldly, yep, or uh, filled with a dead body. Right. I, I, it's one of those three. I've seen pure evidence of all of those things mm -hmm. and no evidence of it ever being something normal. So I once left a note to the people that bought my family, my, my childhood home. I, I, it was just like a, hey, here's some great memories I had here. Hope you enjoy it type thing. Oh. So I'd like to think that was sweet and not creepy. I would leave one that'd be like, hey, I have some great memories here. Thanks for going here. P.S. Don't look under the third floorboard <laughs> and then leave. <laughs> Can you imagine? Incredible. Don't look at the third floorboard. Which which is the third? Which is the third? What's in it? Gotta open it up. Tears up the entire bottom of the house. Oh my gosh. Well, folks, as always, um we we love to hear from you, so please uh do us a favor and um like, uh follow on all the socials, um on uh Instagram and Facebook at NY Mystery Machine and at NY Mysteries on the Twitter. Um, while you're there, you can also jump on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, wherever you listen to the podcast and give us a five-star review, five-star rating with some words in the review. If you give us some words, if you, you tell us what you like, it was like, oh, we got a new one this this month that just came in. I can't wait to, oh, yeah! to put that into the running for next month. If you leave us a message, we, we put you into the runnings for listening In our ticker tape month. machine that we spin every month. Machine. And uh, you can become our listener of the month and we'll read your review on the air. Um, if the technological gods approve, we'll be back next week. I think we will be. Um, and it'll be a little ghostly story. I can, think, I can say this. I know what we're doing next week. I just couldn't record it today. And until then, if oh. anyone wants to share what the weirdest thing they found in their Ooh, apartment is. I love is, this journey for right? us. Right? Yeah, we'll put it on. Or hate it. Depends what you tell us. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we'll put it on, uh, on our Instagram. We're going to put out one of those little... You know, question and answer things, and uh, we would love to know the weirdest thing that you found in your apartment or house mm -hmm. dwelling um, that was left there, um, either accidentally or intentionally. Mm -hmm. um, the weirdest one we will read on the air. Yes, you know, next time we record. Well, actually, no, we'll read on the air during our 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 our, our season recap episode. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. That's coming out with uh with there you with, are yeah you know, with um 
we in, in fact we got a bunch of I got some I got some some feedback on the 9/11 episode. Mm. So a bunch of things came in. So any of the feedback, we we season 1. Send it our way. We've already we're already 40 episodes in. Oof. If you have any thoughts on any of those things, theories, um, um, feelings, wants, <laughs> desires, hopes, and dreams, let us know. And uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about all those episodes in our in our season one finale, which is uh, a bit of um, stuff that we didn't get to report on, mm-hmm. as well as um, uh, things that you guys have 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 uh, sent our way. Um, well, thanks, Christina, for that. Um, I'm never going to look at things left in my dwelling places nope. the same way ever again. Nope, nope, nope. Um, but again, we're back next week. And um, if you if we haven't mentioned it enough, um, if you want to help the show get out of technological hell, uh, please donate to the to the Patreon. If you do it, if you get if you give us five or dollars or more a month, not only are you helping us out, but you're also uh, getting some really cool exclusives. There's a brand new patron exclusive up on the Patreon right now that dropped last Friday. Um, all about a ghost ship. It was really dope. It was Christina's first patron exclusive episode that she led. Um, so check that out. And there's another patron exclusive coming at the end of April. So you can't go wrong. You're going to have four uh, episodes to listen to. You got a sticker. You got all this cool stuff. And like you're just a doll. And we appreciate <laughs> um, We just appreciate it. We'll get tattoos of your name over our I'm hearts. not going to get tattoos. <laughs> but, um, but please join the Patreon. Join this ever, ever-growing community. We want to really build the community up because um, – our favorite part about doing this isn't just like sitting with each other and telling us these stories, but like interacting with you has become such a really um, a hallmark of, of, of this whole operation and uh, something we didn't even expect. Yeah. We didn't expect people would be um, so re- responsive to, to this work. And so uh, thanks for listening. And we're back next week. Uh, I've been Adam Mace. I've been Christina Marinelli. And thanks for taking a ride on the New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall, but for ghosts. So check your basements. Check your basements. Woo!